0: Gentlemen, welcome back to Man Challenge, whether you're watching via Vimeo or our podcast. Excited to join you guys in discussing God's Word with you. We have just completed a series in the Psalms. Uh, Chris Burke, Sam Reeder, and myself, we love that, love sitting in um, the Old Testament, learning about how God wants us to interact with Him. We are starting a new series this week in First Peter. So we're gonna spend five weeks in First Peter and then we're gonna call it a year on 2019-2020 Man Challenge. Though longer than we expected, it's been a joy to continue in pursuing God's word and community together. Uh, we're gonna to take a little bit of a break in July and then regather in August and September. But this uh, this week we're in the first chapter of First Peter, verses one through 12. Burke, will you... Um, Just go ahead and read the passage and then pray for us?
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia? Yeah, you got it. You okay with that? Uh, Asia. Help me on this next one. Bethynia. Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things mm. Oof. let's pray mm. <clears throat> father god uh, we just thank you for another opportunity to uh, dig into your word uh, to be sharpened uh, by you holy spirit and um, to come to a deeper appreciation uh, for the love uh, the sacrifice and the calling uh, of our lord jesus and so god we just pray that this study would um call us in that direction. God, would we um, come to know you more? Would be Would you challenge us through your word? Uh, would you um, help us to uh, be moved to thought and meditation uh, and then ultimately to action so that uh, we can look more like you and point others to you, God? So we just thank you for this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. If... Uh... If that reading felt like a long time to you guys, I, I think it's 1 Timothy 4.13. I could be super wrong. Paul's telling somebody, read the word aloud together. There's beauty in that. And so thank you for doing it. Yeah. I, I'm grateful to read it aloud together. Uh, but we jump in. Yeah. Verse 1, Sam, the first word of the book of 1 Peter is... Peter. Peter. <laughs> the rock. And we have, we've studied Peter in several ways. Uh, mm-hmm. We did a series on him a couple of years ago, um, which I think might be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we studied Mark this earlier this semester, which was very influenced by Peter. Catch us up. Who's Peter? Give us a synopsis of the life and ministry of Sir Peter.
2: Mm. A lot we could say about old Pete, for uh-huh. sure. Uh, to whittle down to probably what's most imperative to know to kick this off, I think... He had no formal rabbinical training. He wasn't a rabbi. He wasn't a seminary guy. He was a fisherman. He was just common guy, blue-collar, worker. A lot of us can resonate with that. Uh, and Jesus chose him for no other reason than the fact that he wanted to. Jesus chose him to be part of his 12 that would walk and live with him. Uh, and really, within that, he was part of an inner circle, Peter, James, and John, mm-hmm. where he got to see and experience some pretty incredible things. Uh, We'll talk about a lot of specific events, I'm sure, as we walk through this letter over the weeks to come. A lot of highs and lows with Peter. (laughs) A lot of highs and lows. Really good about putting his foot in his mouth. A lot of of people think of lows like denying Jesus, Mm -hmm. Um, and then they think about highs when he's the one who claims Jesus to be the Christ, Mm -hmm. and then the very next scene is, get behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. Jesus is rebuking him. Like, you know, he's all over the place. Cut off a guard's ear. Cuts off a dude's ear. Yeah, like, he's, I'll die for you, and then... Turns around and denies him. Yeah, yeah, Peter's all over the place. A lot of us can resonate yeah. with that for sure. Um, Peter's the first one to go in an empty tomb. Uh, Jesus comes and reveals himself, restores him at the beach. We've talked about that. Uh, ask him three times, do you love me? So there's this real intimacy. This is a dude who has walked and lived with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and then right before Jesus ascends, he commissions Peter and the other apostles, now go and be my witnesses. You're going to go and start the, the early church in the first century. You can read about that in the book of Acts. Pretty much the first half of the book of Acts tracks with Peter uh, as just the Holy Spirit and the gospel spreads. So he's for sure a prominent figure in the early church, but he's far from infallible. Mm. Uh, you see him pop up in Galatians chapter 2 when when Paul has the call him a poser Mm. in front of everybody Mm. so he's not perfect uh, but he's a dude who lived with Jesus who who was a a key member in the early church and what I think is really helpful to remember as we go to this letter this is probably written about three decades later after Jesus ascends so he he lived with this dude this dude transformed his entire world and life and the way he (laughs) saw everything and now three decades later Think of the maturation that's gone on. He's not a new convert. This is a, a follower mm. of Jesus. And now he pens this letter around 60-ish A.D. Uh, and we'll talk about who he's writing to in a second. But um, I think it's so helpful to remember the ups and downs of Peter and then to listen to how he writes to other believers that long later. Mm. I think it calls a lot of us who have been in faith a number of years. like, Is there growth? Is there development? Mm-hmm. Is there spiritual maturity there? So,
1: Yeah, Peter. That's the rock. Good. Very encouraging figure. Mm. He kind of represents a lot of the things we, we hope to be. Right. And he's he also did a lot of the things that we can relate to. Yeah. And uh I think it's a great lesson to say even the dude who was right next to Jesus in his inner circle was capable of highs and lows just like us. Mm. And the beautiful authenticity of scripture is is displayed uh well in what we know of peter yeah let me
2: make a quick plug too just we've been in psalms right which is hymns and songs and hebrew poetry and now we're in what you could call an epistle or a letter And so as we've just kind of talked about, you could be all over the Bible trying to figure out who this Peter guy Mm. is. Uh, A really good resource is a commentary where a guy spends basically his whole life doing all that legwork and organizing all that information for you to help as you walk through a New Testament book, an Old Testament book, whatever. So this is one that I I have. I've gotten a couple. It's probably my favorite. Uh, It's just The Message of First Peter by Edmund Clowney. Uh, this is so practical and helpful. Something like that is a good resource that as we're going to spend a month plus in this book to have something that kind of connects dots for you as you walk through, it saves you a lot of time uh, and kind of helps keep the Mm -hmm. ball rolling. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, And Sam mentioned, this is a letter. He said the word epistle. So this is a letter from Peter to a group of people. And that's very worth keeping in mind as we study this type of, Uh, literature, right? Psalms or poems, songs. This is a letter written from somebody to somebody. So we need to understand who those people are in order to kind of perceive the purpose that's coming from that. And Peter gets right to it. He says, "Uh, hi, me, Peter here reading or writing to you. And then he says in the second part of verse one, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So a few things to Perceive from that one is this is a group of people spread out over a, a rather large area, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. These people are all over the map, um, and what that can tell you quickly is uh, these people aren't in Jerusalem, where the church began, right, where Jesus was uh, killed and resurrected. So they're very far from there. They're also very far from Rome, where Peter is likely writing this letter from. So there's some sense already of a, of a distance to those people who would be reading this letter um, from their people, right? But these first four words are, are crucial. It says, to God's elect exiles. So first there's this, this God's elect group of people. And that is again, covenant language. If you think about who was elected, the Old Testament, the chosen people of God. God said, you are the people that I've chosen to represent me on the earth. You are, you are mine, I am yours. He is made very clear. Um, we are uh, a family, essentially. Yeah, and but if but
1: were, post-resurrection, that's all those who have professed faith in Christ. Believed in Correct.
0: Christ. So if you are a part of the people of God, it's because you trust mm-hmm. that Jesus' death and resurrection has atoned and paid for your sins. Um, but then immediately, he says, exiles. So to the people of God who are exiles, that's a word that means um, foreigner, essentially, an outsider, Strangers. stranger, a wanderer. Mm-hmm. And what is a theme we're gonna see throughout this letter over and over and over again, is that um, in being chosen as a, as a person of God, when you are adopted into the fatherhood of God, you get a new citizenship. And what that does is in your, your, your change of citizenship, and God is my father, um, something about me has become foreign to the culture, the society, the group that I was a part of before. And I wanna be clear, this isn't like a, oh, we should all, us three, let's pack our bags, make a holy huddle, go live on the beach where only Christians live. That's not what Peter's suggesting. What he's suggesting is that being a chosen person of God somehow estranges you from society. Mm -hmm. Burke, what are some practical ways we think we can see a Christian man today is, is exiled or feels foreign in a contemporary society?
1: Yeah, I think you know, I think Kyle did a series on this a few years ago, uh can't remember what it was titled, Aliens or yeah. it was it was uh really impactful. And just this concept of, you know, Ephesians two nineteen says consequently you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God, God's people, and also members of his household. So like we're not foreign to God. We're now in his household, but yeah. we are foreign to the world and the ways of the world. Yeah. Um and so essentially we've our citizenship has changed right when we profess faith in Jesus we're no longer citizen of the world but we're a citizen of heaven plug for torn wells new album citizen of heaven one of my favorites (laughs) cool song your kids will love it um but this concept of being a citizen of heaven yet I'm still here right like you you say I'm a a foreigner but yet I'm still in the same place I've always been so what does that look like and it, it mostly um is attached to our priorities, which then overflow to our decisions and our actions. And so, um, without getting into a, a sermon on that, I just, I love the concept of Jesus when he sent out the disciples and he told them to be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. And I just think we have a calling as men of God in a culture where maybe, uh, the priorities of God aren't, uh, necessarily highlighted, um, to be shrewd in the way we try to make the gospel attractive. Mm. And that doesn't, you know, Paul says, I try to be all things to all people to win some for the gospel. That doesn't mean I manipulate the gospel. That doesn't mean I'm getting where I fit in and whatever you think's cool, I think is cool, but it does mean I love you. I'm trying to view you through the lens that God views you through. And so if I can make a connection with you or somehow, uh, represent an image of Christ by the way I work or the way I talk or the way I coach or the way I train or the way I give or the way I listen yeah. um, so that God would get glory and that you would hear the truth of the gospel, then then I'm going to make every effort to do so. And so uh, back to your original question, what does it look like to be in exile currently? Uh, I would just say a, pro- a list of priorities that are not in tune with what maybe the world would say they should be. And then, of course, the overflow of that would be distinct.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I wrote that down while you said it, that priorities piece. We've got different priorities. We're Mm -hmm. citizens of a different Mm -hmm. kingdom, and now our our priorities have shifted. And so, one, we shouldn't be surprised when we experience some level of um, friction with the culture that we're a part of. Discomfort. Yeah, some, is that, how am I supposed to, is that Mm -hmm. right? Is that wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's good. Then he goes on to say in verse two, that these people of God, this is a a big old verse here. It says that they have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the father, through the sanctifying work of the spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. And boy, is there a, a good bit to unpack and we'll try to unpack some of it. First, catch here. This is one of the few verses in all of scripture where you see all three persons of the Godhead represented. God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit are all here. And I wanna give a little concise summary of what that verse is kind of insinuating and then talk more about what it means for God to be triune, to be three persons in one. Um, So if I were to rephrase that verse, I'd, I'd put it this way. It is God's plan that through the work of the spirit that you would trust and obey Jesus which is a means uh, of reconciliation to the Father. Hmm. So you see this, this cycle. Mm-hmm. God. God's plan of the Spirit to bring me to Christ who brings me to the Father, mm-hmm. who pushes me to the Spirit, mm-hmm. to the Son, to the Father. There's this mm-hmm. never-ending circle. Uh, I heard a, one pastor say it, talk about it this way, is that the Spirit's goal is to reveal you to Christ. And if you ask Christ, what do you want to reveal to me? I want to reveal to you my Father. father. And yeah. then you go to the Father and he said, have you seen my Son? Hmm. It's just never-ending, right? Mm-hmm really, really difficult to understand. And if you're listening to this thinking, I never will, that's partially true. But it is important, Sam, to pursue some comprehension of the triune nature of God, right? Sure.
2: Why? (laughs) That's a good question. Uh, Most simply, I think just because that's the God that's revealed in the Bible. And for me personally, I I don't want to pursue a relationship with any other God. Like, if that's who he claims to be, Mm -hmm. regardless of the idea I have in my mind, Mm -hmm. I want to, in humility, pursue Mm -hmm. knowledge of that God. Mm -hmm. Also, for me, it's encouraging to see that just almost explicitly, the three of them united. We don't see the word Trinity anywhere in Scripture. That's a man-made term that we have to try to wrap our small brains around this eternal, infinite power, worth, might God. Um, But this isn't some man-made god this is who he is he is three in one why it's practical to know or why it's helpful to know i think because that's who he is but also i think it makes a lot of sense of the realities that we live in and what we experience so for instance right now in this culture or not in this culture in this season of life i feel like all of us across the board are longing for community yeah like when you separate us from one another it turns out we miss it like we miss each other and we're told in scripture we're made in God's image. Now he he could just reveal himself in one form, you might say, and choose to to live out all of time as we see it in that way, but he's chosen not to. As you just talked, the Father, the Son and the Spirit, he lives in perfect community within himself. That's what he chose to do. And so it's fitting that we have this longing within us to be in community with others. Mm. Yeah,
0: because we we're created in his image. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So then he goes on to say and we could spend six months talking about that verse. He goes on to say, to finish up his sort of um, salutation, he says, grace and peace be yours and abundance, which I think is kind of a helpful thesis of the letter. Sam, maybe I'm wrong. What would you say Peter's writing this letter for?
2: I think, well, he'll cover a number of topics, but most concisely, this is a letter of encouragement to, to believers, followers of Jesus who are in the midst of suffering. Yeah, And he's calling them to endure Okay. And, and to hold fast to the truth,
1: and, and they are physically in a faraway place. Yeah. So they, you, we would we would probably guess that they're, they are even more in the minority than the early church would have been. Absolutely, you know what I mean. 100%. So they're, so they're
0: we're,
1: we're all strangers to a degree, but they would be really strange right.
0: in a faraway place. We get to look to kind of heroes of the faith here. Mm-hmm. What's Peter saying to them, in a culture where we're currently uh, not being persecuted the way that right. these people and
1: nominally were. we're not really supposed to be strangers. Yep. Right. We're, this, we're, you know, so again, not to get on that tangent, but this is a, a people group that are definitely being persecuted for what they believe and yeah. are definitely feeling like strangers in a foreign land. Absolutely.
2: Be- before we hop on, just real short plug. I think it'd be cool to unpack at your tables within the, the triune nature of God. We tend to overemphasize or underemphasize one of them. Like yeah. we might be a big fan of Jesus and kind of weirded out by the Holy Spirit, or that might be the only one we talk about and we ignore God the Father. I think it's helpful individually to kind of think through where you land on that spectrum, but also as a group maybe unpack that. Just yeah. an idea.
0: Well, because Where would you say you land on that personally?
2: Uh, depends on the season of my life. For most of my life, I, I grew up around a, a tradition that focused heavily on the Holy Spirit, so when I got older and had kind of the choice, I chose not to be in a denomination that focused heavily on that. Uh, so I, I found a good book, uh, Francis Chan. It's called The Forgotten God. Sam's making if,
0: commission on these, by the way.
2: Yeah. Gets- uh, if If you want a resource, uh, if you're like me and the Holy Spirit uh, for a long season of your life seemed confusing and weird and you're like, okay, functionally, what do I do with this, this guy? Uh, that's a book that made a lot of sense to yeah, me. Powerful
0: book, for, for sure. I, it. It shifted the way I perceived who the Spirit mm-hmm. is in my day-to-day mm-hmm. faith. No yeah, doubt, it's a, sure. it's a great book. Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on to the last nine verses here. But before we do, I kind of want to uh, address this. This passage of Scripture is not one that has um, exhortations or commands in it. I think we are um, we're part of a very pragmatic culture, which is good. Like I looked up yesterday, twelve surefire ways to get. A groundhog out from under my shed because I think I got a little dude causing me some problems. I saw him for the first time. My dog's not a fan. Uh call Bill Murray. Call Bill Murray, yeah. Uh, but I, I just think we we there's you know BuzzFeed and, and Reddit. There's just I've got I want three ways to solve this. Life hacks. We're very practical and sometimes that can infiltrate the way we perceive scripture. We come to it and say, All right God, tell me what to do today. Mm-hmm. Um, a good word. which is not wrong it could be a little naive. There's, there's more to our pursuit of knowing God in scripture. Um, and a lot of times I think we want to get to the practical, we rush to the practical, assuming that's the way to transformation. I do and therefore I am changed. Mm. But what Romans 12:2 says, mm. is that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so we're gonna spend some time today looking at a, a passage that you might be tempted to overlook in your reading. Because it doesn't tell you what to do, uh, but I'm I'm watching the Last Dance right now, the MJ documentary. Everybody knows you and the rest of the world. Me and the rest of the world. Everybody knows MJ for his his competitive nature, his incredible work ethic, his um, his actions are what made him stand out uh, above but the you, rest. But you,
1: you, you. You didn't really know MJ all that well, right? Like your documentary documentaries.
0: I'm like, who is that? Yeah,
1: exactly. Is yeah. that, is that yeah. LeBron's older brother? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. that's the guy LeBron stole his number from. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Right. Here so, we go. Space Jam. Let me back off. I know, off. Who, Let me I know back who, who MJ is. I, can, I watched I Space Jam. I could
1: be here. Let me back off. Go ahead.
0: Uh, but <coughs> this documentary, you, all I've been told, work ethic, practice, work ethic, practice. Mm-hmm. The man did, did, did everything mm-hmm. it took to win. Mm-hmm. Champion six times. And what you see in these interviews is everybody's talking about his brain.
1: Yeah, or who who he was, who he was. So what he did overflowed from who he was. Yes, yeah, he is. And that's that's what, you have to know who you are to know what to do.
0: Right, Mm. and know who we are, we have to Mm. know who God is, which is what this section really Mm. unpacks. So starting in verse three, I'll, I'll read through five. It says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth and into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. What stands out, Burke? What do you see in these first couple of verses? Um,
1: an inheritance that could never perish, spoil, or fade. And, and and back to that concept of being a citizen in heaven, right after that, it says, kept for you in heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, back to the last dance conversation. The one thing you, I think if your eyes are open, the one thing you can really observe is that most of those dudes were chasing things that have now spoiled or faded. Yeah. Um and, yeah, they have fame that, that carries on. But the pursuit of whatever that was is so long over. Um, and that just it, – it, the thrill of that does not last. There, 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 there are, there's always another mountain to climb. And you see with Jordan, right, like best player in the world, three in a row. Okay, Bird and Magic never did that. I'm going to go play baseball. And baseball decides to go on a strike, so he comes back, and somebody beats him. Now he's ticked. Now he's really ticked. He hadn't lost a playoff series and whatever. So now they, they go off and have the greatest season in the history of the world, and they win three more in a row. I'm out again. Two years later, he's playing for the Wizards. Like, what are you back for, dude? Like, it just never quite quenches, you know what I mean? Yeah. But this hope we have in heaven, it never spoils. It never fades um, and I just be honest with you guys. Some of my most powerful moments I've had with God, or be are being back at places where I had great athletic victories and moments, and 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 closing my eyes, empty spaces, empty fields, and trying to be there again. And you just, you just, you just can't. You're fortunate to have memories. Thank you, God, for putting me in this position or that position. Thank you, God, but it is gone. It's gone, it, you can't get it back. But this hope we have in heaven, it will never spoil. It will never fade. It is always in front of us uh, and praise God for that.
0: Yeah, and I think it, where Peter's helping us, these people as the foreigners in a culture that says, this is what you should pursue. Fame, glory, power, victory. Like, in a culture that you are foreign to, you've got this living hope. And where does it come from? I, I caught here. We've read three verses so far. Well, five. In the first three, (laughs) he says Jesus Christ four times. And Sam, you mentioned earlier, Jesus was, his, like they were close. But he knows where his hope comes Mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. It is from the great mercy of the Father who's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sam, what do you see there in the gospel that's worth bringing up, savoring, ruminating on?
2: Yeah, verse 4. To an inheritance, like that whole line of thought. You're born into, you get an inheritance based on your birthright.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we have to be born again to get this inheritance. Mm. And the only means by which we can be born again is is Jesus. Yeah. And he's alive. Mm. And so, like, when you when you look at this in terms of a tense, is it past tense, present, future, it, it spans all of it. Yes. Like, uh, this, this commentator, the way he talked about it was, uh, our hope is a living hope. It's anchored in the past because Jesus rose it it remains steady in the present because jesus lives yet it is still forward looking because jesus is coming Mm. like that living hope it is continual uh it's perpetual yeah uh and again that inheritance it's kept in heaven it's unfaded it's undefiled i think he he's writing to guys who and gals who are dispersed away from home separated undergoing persecution we're going to dive more into that but I think, like especially in this season right now, where we have learned that our portfolios can quickly fade, <laughs> sure. uh, that that our health is fading, it's fleeting. To be encouraged, I think to us even today, this is such a timely word of encouragement that our hope is not in our present circumstance. Yeah. Like this is the exact word of Philippians four. Like our hope is not in our present circumstance; it is it is kept for us in heaven.
0: And these people, as foreigners, hmm. they don't have inheritance. Inheritance at this time would be land. I just showed up to a city, guess what? I don't have land. And so we as foreigners in a foreign culture can cross our fingers to hope to inherit what the world has to offer or Hmm. see the great mercy of a God who loves Hmm. and wants to give an eternal inheritance. I think it's so, you said it well, it's so easy to cast that off to the future and say, well, it doesn't change me now. It's a living hope. It's present as well as future. Hmm. I I have that to live within right now. And thankfully I think Peter wisely prefaces the next part of our conversation with this, because he says, starting in verse six, "'In all this you greatly rejoice. "'Though now for a little while you may have had "'to suffer griefs in all kinds of trials, "'these have come so that the proven genuineness "'of your faith of greater worth than gold, "'which perishes even though refined by fire, "'may result in praise, glory, and honor "'when Jesus Christ is revealed.'" Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So these are people amidst suffering. And there are plenty of our men who are either amidst suffering or or know people amidst suffering and need to be able to empathize and move into that lowly and meek open-handedness alongside them. And Peter comes here with one of the greatest questions of humanity. Why, why is there suffering? One of the greatest deterrents to Christ, like the mm-hmm. Christian faith, yeah. myself included. I have wrestled with yeah. this question. If God's good, why do we suffer? And he says here, uh, you suffer in order that your faith might be tested so that you can have that secure inheritance. And because our faith is the means to salvation. I want to flip a book over here. James 1, oh, where is it? two through four, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we look at suffering and say, it must be meaningless and God must not be real because of it. Mm -hmm. But what God says is, I'm sovereign. I know what's good for you. I've allowed this. Some of this might be caused by sin. Like we need to recognize God's not throwing lightning bolts at everybody. This is what He's allowing, <clears throat> and it's to test us. Have you been in a situation where you've been tested, put in trial, and seen the fruit of that testing?
1: I, you know, I, I certainly have. I, I was wanting to share with the guys this a story of of someone in my life who I've been really encouraged by recently. So, a buddy of mine, I think I've shared bits and pieces of this over the last few weeks but a buddy of mine's father died in a freak accident yeah he actually he actually made it through the accident but then died in the hospital shortly thereafter they thought he was over the accident and then he just just died this this buddy his dad was just a beautiful man who loved the lord and had called me about his son like two years two years prior and just called me out of the blue Me, me and this guy had had experiences together but I don't think he'd ever like called me directly, said, hey, Chris, my boy's scuffling. He loves the Lord, but he's not connected to him right now. And I just thought you could encourage him in that. Like just a good father wanting to give his son some love and encouragement, but didn't feel like he was the best guy to maybe do that. So me and this guy connected, even though we'd been connected on servicey baseball stuff, like we connected in this way. We walked through scripture together for a pretty long period of time. And the guy really was was kind of reconnected with his faith, yeah. and just felt this is a new vibe about him. Fast forward to this horrible accident, and I just I think about consider pure joy when you face trials of any kind, because the, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. I think, and you go a lot of ways when the. The man you love the most dies, and it's been a good, good father to you, and he dies suddenly, and you feel like you were robbed of kind of the glory years, and yeah. he didn't get to see his grandkids grow up, and you didn't get to play golf with him in Scotland or you know ride horses on the ranch or whatever your dreams of his glory years were. And my buddy has gone the opposite way in such a deep, meaningful way. Like, he's calling me. My dad had heart surgery this week. Chris, how's your dad? Like, this dude, I love this guy to death. Like, he's one of my – he never called me and asked me about my dad. Chris, how's your dad? Praying for your dad today on a conversation. Can we stop and pray for your dad? Chris, two people have come to Christ through my dad's death that were worldly sinful dude that all their worth was in their own kingdom that they built up in Northern California. And now the other guy called me crying on the side of the road because the Holy Spirit had just convicted him in his heart and he accepted the gospel on the side of the road. And you're just like, praise God, only God. But you're also like, the testing of your faith develops you, Like you just seen that word in action. Um, and so it just, as, as we all can be encouraged from, from watching God move in the lives of other people, like that's just really been a source of encouragement for me lately to see that happen through a really a tough deal. Yeah. You know,
0: I think <clears throat> I, I resonate with that a lot, not circumstantially, but just the way I've seen the Lord um, refine in testing to strip away mm-hmm what need not be there. Mm. Uh, And the end result of that is a greater faith. Like that's the beauty of this. He says it there at the end of nine. You're being tested, not tempted. There's a difference there. Conversation for another day, but you're being tested so that your faith may grow. How wonderful is it when our faith in him is grown? Mm. When he shows himself faithful, the greatest peace I'll ever experience is a result of Mm. a greater trust in him.
2: So we've we've said, Peter says this, James says this, Paul says it, Romans 5. (laughs) Literally, rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, Mm -hmm. or endurance, character, Mm -hmm. character, Mm -hmm. hope. Mm -hmm. Like all these guys who knew Jesus and who wrote scripture, they understood this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just one dude's opinion. Like Mm -hmm. this is the reality of Mm -hmm. the risen king. Mm -hmm. And so we get
0: to see a people likely suffering more than we currently are. Mm. Maybe not for some of us individually, but likely the persecution they're facing and hear the encouragement of Peter, um, your suffering isn't in vain. It isn't worthless. What God God says in Romans 8 is that he can turn it into something good. There's nothing beyond his his reach of redemption. Mm -hmm. And Peter's showing a a new avenue of that truth here for us. Anything else y'all wanna hit there before we we roll?
2: I don't really have a, a practical application of this, just an observation. This is all quite paradoxical, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you're elect, you're chosen, yet you're also an exile. You're shunned. Yeah. Like, well, you're called to rejoice in the midst of the suffering that you're going to get to. This is like the paradoxical mm-hmm. nature of following Christ. Mm-hmm. The king of the universe hung on a cross. Mm. Like, it's just interesting it to, me to see that kind of to play out in here.
0: And yeah. he's even he's even encouraging these last couple of verses. This made me think, John 20 or 21, he's talking to Thomas, who sees the Lord and mm. says, I'm not... I, you're surely you're my lord mm-hmm. and my god he says to thomas blessed are those who do not see me mm-hmm. but still believe and peter says the same thing yeah, as a guy who's probably sitting in that yeah. room yeah and says you're more blessed than me mm-hmm. peter who's walked with him you don't see him yeah. but you believe and we get to yeah
1: he's essentially quoting jesus here, yeah and yeah. we
0: try yeah and trust that ourselves that's
2: just hard right mm-hmm. and that that's been soaking in his heart for like 30 years yeah, yeah. like that's awesome it yeah is. really yeah. you know
0: Verses 10 through 12, mm. concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the circumstances and time to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of you, <clears throat> when they spoke of the things that they have now been Told by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Mm. So, as foreigners in a society, you typically rank low on the totem pole. Mm. Sam, what's Peter saying here?
2: Saying you've been you've been chosen. You're a, you're a son and a daughter of the Most High. Like you may feel downcast, you may feel. Uh, separated and exiled, but you should have a living hope. Remember who you are. And I think also the encouragement in that is he's pointing to the Old Testament. Yeah. And you could spend so much time in this, but suffice to say, these great prophets of Elijah and Elijah doing these powerful things. And so like we read that and we're like, man, I wonder what that one must have been like. like I wonder how, how encouraging and easy it was to believe, to experience that. And Peter's like, bro, they were just looking ahead. Yeah. Like, you're living in the reality of this. And he gives this imagery that's almost like angels peering over heaven. Like, what's going on? Like, we want to know, too. Mm-hmm. Like, how envious all of these mighty men and beings must be of the elect mm-hmm. exiles. Like, how can you be encouraged in the midst of that suffering? Well, it's because of the fact that we are born again to a living hope. Mm-hmm. And he's just marinating in that for a good 12 verses. And
0: it's even <laughs> It's even better, like, I think we look to eternity and get excited about being face-to-face with the Father. Mm. Angels are there, and they're looking here envious of our sufferings. Like what and why the scripture says clearly is because that, that's making us more like Christ. Mm. He suffered for the sake of glory, and we get to partake in that, and that, that is a benefit, a uh, something to cherish rather than to avoid to scoff at, to assume is not good or for us. Um,
1: if, if I could put an emoji right now over the top of my face, it would be the mind-blown one. That was for <laughs> you, Jay Dorch. Ooh. But I think to put a bow on it yeah. uh, for for simpletons like me, like Peter wants them to know who they are. And if they know who they are and they know what they've received, they can be encouraged in that suffering and in that foreign land to persevere yeah, uh, because there is no practical steps of making your way through being a foreigner. and Like we could try to, right? Yeah, and yeah. there's definitely some best practices, but that's not what he wants to encourage. That's not what he wants to give them courage with first. What he wants to give them courage with first, this is who you are in Jesus Christ. You have a hope that does not spoil or perish or fade. Out of that, yeah. go do, and we'll talk about that coming up, but like, that's, really, uh, that's That's what it is. He, yeah. Take this courage. Here it is. To you know. quote
2: Kurt Sauter, he gave them the why before the how. Mm. There you go. Pretty wise of Peter. That's a wise dude.
0: Mm-hmm. You're spot on. I, I'm glad you said that concisely because this can be intricate language. Very heady. All of these verses are run on sentence in the Greek just for fun. <laughs> we thought some of these were long in English. Yeah. In the Greek is like my man's running out of breath, mm-hmm. gasping and just keeping, uh-huh. keeping on. Who are you? That's it. Are you, are you in Christ? Because if you are, here's who you are. And then we're going to talk about how to be who you are in the weeks to come. Mm. Burke, will you pray? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Father God, uh, we just thank you for this uh, this courage that you give us through uh, your faithful servant, Peter, through your holy word. God, um, may we be encouraged uh, knowing that we are citizens of heaven, yeah. that we have been redeemed by you, that your Holy Spirit resides in us. And God, made that encouragement overflow into the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, God, that that, that would be evident uh, by the way we love, by the way we work, by the way we uh, treat all people, that we are uh, citizens um, and uh, children uh, of your kingdom. And so, God, we're just grateful that that's who we are. We proclaim that here this morning. And... Um, May you have the praise in that. May you get the praise uh, for the citizenship that we share uh, in your kingdom, God. So we just pray that this would overflow into our lives, and we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker Campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.